Hello and welcome to episode number 54 of the Slow Home Podcast. I normally say that the other way around, but changing it up a bit. Yeah, there's nothing like changing it up. <laughs> Living on the edge. It's as good as a holiday. I'm Brooke McCallery. I'm Ben McCallery, and you're listening to the hey, Slow Anthony. Home Podcast. Hi. Dun, How are you? Dun, 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 dun. I'm doing well. How are you? <laughs> really well. Thank you so much for uh, for talking to Is me that today. that when you normally put the intro music? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm yeah. excited. Okay. Okay. I know you've been on my list, my guest <laughs> list continue for ages. Continuing on this. And um, it was fun. <laughs> yeah, let's, uh, let's continue on with introduce your discussion with I think so too, and I, I really appreciate that. Ongaro. Uh, Ongaro. Oh, it's, um, Mr. Anthony Ongaro. This was such an awesome conversation. I right into it. I really, really enjoyed it. One of your most recent uh, Anthony, videos, which I really He's a blogger. Um, he writes at breakthetwitch.com and specifically and writes really about, struck me and I, uh, it's something you know, that using with people before intention to, dig into it a little to bit. You said, I tried act, buying happiness and then those little actions every day adding mm-hmm. up to yeah. big um, changes. So and he and I, I are really on the same page so with the idea of in that, small, like so small changes leading to big changes purchase um, but it was just such a delight happens. talking to anthony i mean can you so i knew that we we had a, a similar kind of uh, philosophy buying happiness but uh, when i kind of dug a bit into his Absolutely. story and uh, what it is that well turned him on really for me started with living this kind of slower more intentional life that was really interesting the two-day delivery service very convenient very fast and i would say largely and uh, a way to purchase. Yeah, and after that, though, we just kind of you wanted pretty much. dove headfirst into. Initially, years ago, when it first came out, it was quite a nice What he means by the idea of breaking the, the twitch, that and really that's something that really resonated with me. You could just kind of order and we the books you wanted, about you just get, bit, and they would show up to your house a few days later, and it was really quite so nice. I but did for years. You know, all of a sudden, that because that's what I did. That's what my brain told to do. Yeah, and that's what my brain was telling me to do as well. And it never really questioned it. So it's just this idea of questioning and asking why I was tapping into. Literally just our behaviors and our patterns and our actions and, and buying the things that excited me or I thought what, were cool. What we want to change, big picture, why we want to change it, but then how and those then changes open it daily. The excitement would fade very quickly. Um, so how does and often I just forget what the things I bought even were or okay. yeah. what yeah, I he talk, ordered he does the talk about prior. It quite a lot. Uh, I, he's not a, I don't think he's a up to the house. count everything I own uh, kind of yeah, guy. Really like you. <laughs> that, unfortunately, that That's me. took about uh, really two or three years to really yeah. figure uh, out. But yeah, he does, I, he right does kind of identify as a minimalist. Um, um, but there's two things it was just you, such a cool chat. What I really loved, though, was he takes that idea of taking small steps and flips it around a little uh, and so kind of has this this idea, and I, I really had um, a light bulb moment that term from your if we only focus on that first step, a bit, and if that it, first step is uh, really a false first step, so it's one that just makes us, us feel say, yeah, like we're doing something not actually I'm going getting anywhere. Phone, uh, it can it can really be our downfall, you know. And he he talks about it a lot. I won't kind of repeat what he says, but. The idea of the false first on, step was really particularly that kind uh, of behavior. Really interesting to me. Um, and the second part is sort of that the so mindlessness the of it. Find and out more about um, I had a Anthony? similar realization on social media. He's on social media. He's um, setting Anthony Ongaro, recognizing uh, that on Twitter, doing his and mindless. just breaking you know, twitch.com. 
on the old interwebs and you can find everything about him there. It arrives and then we kind of um, yeah. a fair few get really excited for There are, the yeah. yeah. This is mindless thing out. again where it gets shoved. Uh, Slowyourhome.com forward slash 54. And what, what, yeah, so I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. I know I certainly did. I made a whole page of notes. Like I usually scribble down some things when I'm having a conversation with someone, but I found myself jotting down quite a few there was a particular moment for me, and it was based around selected a moment clips, when I needed to look up cool, something that I had purchased. And Why was I like? Because it was not in the last six months, so I had to download <laughs> quite a few years about that. of Amazon purchase history. Scribbling was, my notes. <laughs> you can okay. export Enjoy it to the an Excel spreadsheet. Enjoy the podcast. And I charted. Actually, I said wow, and so I, I created a, a graph of my spending and it ended up being about 350 things over the course of just a few years that had been ordered and the chart was very odd in that 95% of the purchases were below $30. They were not expensive things. They were just kind of these small kind of little impulse purchases. I say, uh, um, it's, uh, a one-click solution to largely made-up problems. Uh, <laughs> so true. <laughs> and so, it, you know, I saw this pattern happening. And then when I saw it charted out that I only had a few big purchase items, but really it was just so many of these small little involuntary muscle twitches that ended up sending something to my house and removing money from my bank account. And it was taking away the opportunities to live the life that I really wanted. My wife and I love to travel. I know that's pretty stereotypical, but you know, we love traveling and seeing new places and having the freedom to do that. And when you're battling your credit card bill at the end of the month, always just like eking by, you really don't have as much opportunity to do that. It, it creates a lot of struggle to maintain that lifestyle. Yeah, and I think that's that's really key because so often we will you know make these these little actions these these kind of mindless actions for example you know purchasing the twenty dollar thing or the forty dollar thing not thinking that they're going to have any real impact on our long term kind of goal because it's small and it's convenient and it's easily forgotten but as you found, you know, you add them up and over time they really do become this thing that's an impediment to the life that you want to live. And I think that's really powerful to actually make that recognition, that realization that these things, these purchases, these twitches are stopping us from living the way we want. Um, so it was that you made that realization and was that really a turning point for you? Did you stop and think, well, I need to stop this behavior. I need to stop buying or, um, you know, had you always sort of been mindful of living in a simpler kind of way and this was just a, a backslide? Did you, did you take the opportunity to kind of explore a new way of living? I did take the opportunity to explore a new way of living. I have always been interested in a broad range of beliefs and, and um, kind of I've always been interested in personal development and, and growing in that way. And this kind of just took it to a new level. It was, it was another chapter in the journey of, of life, I guess. Uh, just, I'm, I've, I've always been, I've been a bit of a peculiar uh, uh, person as a child, especially. I always would read, uh, read self-help books, even as a young person, which 
may, <laughs> looking back, it seems odd, but <laughs> I always was fascinated by personal development books and, and learning you know, different like computer languages or just different things and just anything I could learn that would further me a little bit. And I'd never, I would never claim to be like a high performance person in general, but I've always just found that the opportunity to grow and in your, in your direction or in your ability to do different things has always been very interesting to me. And I guess when this presented itself to you, this realization, that was another way that you could explore that, you know, that you could explore your, your personal, your self-development. Exactly. This was a few years earlier, I had read Four Hour Work Week from Tim Ferriss, which I, it's one of the books that I'll never get rid of. I think he's pretty intense in a lot of ways, but he has some wonderful, um, wonderful thoughts about how we can structure our lives to make it work. And that was kind of what led me into a lot of this stuff. And then Joshua Becker becoming minimalist and my friend Joel uh, Zaslavsky as well, um, all have been in wonderful influences. Yeah, they they certainly have. I know they've changed. They've quite literally changed hundreds of thousands of lives between them. Um, yes. Now your your website that you that you now write at and um, produce videos for is called Break the Twitch. And before we jump in any further, can you explain to me what you mean by breaking the twitch? Because I think that's really relevant to what we've just been speaking about. Absolutely. The twitch really started as the purchase on Amazon. I realized that 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 click was almost a direct connection to my gut, like the inner child of wanting something, that impulse directly to my arm through my finger and just clicking without ever checking in with my brain. It literally was like a physical twitch than anything else. And so this idea of breaking the twitch came through slowing down, pausing and preventing ourselves from doing the things that don't align with our vision for our lives. We have these daily actions that we do frequently that are small, but they add up and they tend to set us off course for what we actually want in life. And, that was your first Twitch, the first Twitch that you decided to break. Was there, did you go through a process or was it just a matter of becoming aware of the fact that you press this click button, you know, quite frequently and it was impacting you in ways that you didn't like and to just stop? Was it just a matter of stopping or did you kind of go through a process of, of extricating yourself? You know, Brooke, I would say that I go through that process every day. <laughs> it's... um. I wish I've, I've read Leo's blog uh, quite a bit and um, Zen Habits, and and he has a list on his on his website where he says 2009, quit smoking, 2011, started running every day, and that still is just amazing to me. That I think just being able to say this is the date that I stopped doing this thing. And I was better forever forward because that has not been the case for me. It has been a daily practice of slowing down and considering and, and really trying to stay on track. And, and it's been a, a wonderful journey in this way because it has opened up all these amazing opportunities. But, but it has been just this evolution. And I realized that the Twitch was a Facebook addi- addiction just 
constantly checking it. The average American, uh, I read recently, spends, uh, I think, 240 or more hours on Facebook every year. But right when, when we're starting our year, we don't say, you know what, I aspire to spend almost 300 hours on Facebook this year. Yet our days reflect that. Mm. The 40 times we flip it open and just check for notifications add up to hours every day. And so the Twitch became that moment that a group conversation becomes uncomfortable and three people pull out their phones to shield themselves from that awkwardness. It's the boredom when you might just be able to sit still and breathe and just exist. And instead we force ourselves to entertain ourselves in some way externally. The Twitch just became this thing that that draws us away from, from ourselves. I think that is such a powerful way to, to describe it as well, because that's exactly what it is. You know, it is a, and I've often spoken about my own experiences of, you know, I'll get on my phone because I need to check my bank account, for example. And seven minutes later, (laughs) I've Mm. flicked through email, I've flicked through Twitter, I've flicked through Instagram, I've flicked through Facebook, when all I needed to do was get on there to check one thing. And it's a muscle it's a muscle memory thing. You know, your thumb knows what to do. Your, uh, your brain is very rarely actually involved in the process. And I think being able to, to quantify it as a twitch and making it a, you know, almost like a muscle memory thing that, that we can work to become more aware of and then work to, to say no to, or to, to move in the opposite direction is really powerful because that means it's, it's something that we can do. And it's something that I think we can understand in, in putting it that way. Thank you. Yes, I, I agree fully. And, and I do believe that we have complete power over changing these habits. They're really habits. And I think one of the best ways to do that, if you're familiar with P90X, the, the workout program, they talk about muscle confusion a lot. And by doing different exercises every day, you never adjust to the same routine and same workout. So it actually is better for you. You can do the same thing by moving the apps around on your home screen. You can do the same thing by logging out of your Amazon account so that you have to actually log in and create some space between the moment that you desire and the moment you click to purchase. You can create the environment that helps us slow down and and live more intentionally in that way. I agree. I mean, over the, the Christmas holidays, I took almost a month offline, which was really wonderful. And as mm-hmm. a part of that, I... I removed all of the social media apps from my phone um, and I actually haven't put them back on. So if I wanted to access Facebook, I have to do it through the browser, similarly yes. um, Twitter. And it made all the difference because that mind mindless kind of scrolling, that mindless you know, entering into the app and, and flicking through and seeing what people have been up to when I didn't really care anyway, um, was... Uh, it was just gone. That that space was there, so it it made me question whether or not do I really want to do I really want to go on Facebook? And almost certainly the answer was no. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, oh, that's brilliant. Yes. Yeah. So you're. I agree with you. That there's absolutely things that we can do to to you know continue to just give that little break, as you say, and that pause and that reason to think: Is this what I want to be spending my time doing? Um. 
I guess it taps into the idea of distraction too, doesn't it? Um, particularly digital distraction. Is that yeah. something that you think has uh, impacted your personal journey? You know, that, that constant sort of state of distraction that so many of us find ourselves in? Absolutely. One of the, that's, that's another area where all of this kind of was born from. I think in general, we tend to live, especially, so I'm 30, I'm a, I'm a, a mid-range millennial, I guess you'd say. Uh, but I, I like to speak about my, my generation a lot in the sense that we are a generation of half attention. And it's something that I, I know the majority of people struggle with, whether they know it's a struggle or not. Um, having half attention on the TV, half attention on the laptop, um, or just splitting your attention between the three things that are going on, eating dinner and watching TV at the same time, or, or watching other things, you know, it's just kind of this constant state of never putting a hundred percent of our attention on any one thing. Mm. And, and, and when we have that, we are just constantly pulling ourselves away from, again, ourselves from, from ourselves and the people around us that, that we love or the people that we want to be connected with. I think, um, I mean, that's that saying, you know, half attention, we're all living in a, in an existence of half attention is really hitting the nail on the head again, because almost always we, we find ourselves multitasking even unintentionally. Um, so that, learning to be just in the moment whatever's happening right in front of us is it's a life skill I think that a lot of people who are kind of roughly our age are having to either relearn or learn for the first time Uh, and it's really interesting to see it kind of unfolding you know as people start to make these realizations whatever it is that the catalyst is for them and to see us learning or relearning how to just be in the moment. I think it's, and I think it's happening. I mean, I don't know if I'm being optimistic or not, but I do think that there's a a shift towards uh, a simpler way of life, you know, a slower, more intentional way of life. Are you starting to to see that and feel that too? I am. And I don't know the scale of this movement, but what you're doing um, and just the, the things that I've seen around this idea of slowing down and actually observing a bit and just kind of experiencing the moment where we are. I, I do think that that is coming back because again, we, I think we're in a very interesting time right now where the convenience of being able to knock off a few emails when you're waiting for your car to get fixed, for example, used to be a wonderful thing because it would save time when you got back home or it would save time when you got to the office the next day and and maybe reduce some stress. And that convenience becomes an eventual bad habit. And I think that's Facebook. Think about when Facebook came out, it was this wonderful social tool. You could connect with people. Long lost family members found each other through this network. It was just this incredible thing and this empowering thing. And that becomes something that now we do every single day, largely. So these conveniences, 
And it's the goal of every company. I'm, I'm reading a book called Hooked right now, and it's about designing addictive smartphone applications. Wow. And it talks, yeah. And, and so, I mean, I'm reading it to, I'm not designing an addictive smartphone application, but I'm reading it to actually understand the, the reverse in terms of how these companies are using our psychology to keep us coming back to, to their products. And it's, it's amazing. It's using all these different types of psychological things like variable rewards. So on Twitter, whether, whether, whether or not you will have notifications is just something that excites us. And even if we don't, we want to come back to see if we do next time. It's the same as a lottery machine or the, um, the slot machine at a casino. You, you don't know uh, if you're going to win, but it's exciting to almost win. And then maybe you win a little bit and then you just keep coming back and it, and it really messes with the human psychology. It's all by design, all of this stuff. It's created to make less friction in our lives and make it as easy as possible to be in their product as much as possible. <laughs> it's, I mean, when you, when you flip it and you start to think about it from the perspective of people who are creating these, these apps or these programs or whatever, it's, uh, it becomes really obvious after a bit of time how manipulative it is. And, you know, I'm not saying that as in it, it's, it's all terrible. And, you know, I'm AT technology sure. because I'm, I'm not, you know, I wouldn't be working in the capacity that I'm working if it wasn't for, for in part social media and a lot of technology, but you're absolutely right. You know, eight years ago or 10 years ago, whenever it was that I first signed up to Facebook, it was a joy simply because I could stay in touch with people who I knew across the other side of the world. And for a long time, when people would ask me, why are you still on Facebook? I said, well, that's why, you know, it becomes, it's just this way to connect with people that I don't see very often. When the reality is that might happen once every six months. What <laughs> the, sure. re the rest of the time that I'm spent on, I've spent on Facebook was certainly not doing something as lovely as connecting with friends who live on the other side of the world. It was more, you know, cyber stalking someone's holiday photos or <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> things that aren't, aren't as quite as helpful. <laughs> so exactly. I think um, shifting our mindset and the way that we think about these things is absolutely really important to, to kind of breaking that, that twitch and breaking that habit. So you began um, by by you know, shutting down the the online shopping, the Amazon, the Amazon stuff. And what did it look like for you after that to kind of start to shift into a simpler life? Did you immediately um, start to identify as someone who was becoming a minimalist, or was it just a, was it a slower kind of process? It was a bit slower. I didn't really understand minimalism fully or I didn't really it wasn't really on my radar honestly until I met Joel so um so I met Joel at a tech conference here in Minnesota and we ended up kind of finding a table and off shooting the conference and and talking for about two hours about intentional living and and meditation and slowing down and and all of these things were exciting to me and so that's when I was invited from by Joel he invited me to come to Simple Rep the first ever uh, one two years ago and so that was kind of a huge transition point in my life I knew that I wanted these things but I didn't really have a framework to thinking about them. So 
it really helped to have that influence. Mm. Joel, Joel is a wonderful influence on so many people's lives. I, I'm, yes. I'm not surprised that he was one of the, the catalysts for you to kind of explore this simpler way of living because he's just such a, a force. Yes, he is a force, <laughs> uh, a force to be reckoned with and, and a wonderful person as well. He is, he is. Um, so we've sort of talked around the idea of these daily actions and how we can harness them, even if they're really small, we can, if we, we can, they can either add up to be a force for good or a force for, you know, negative impact on our lives. And from what I I understand of you and your process, you've really tried to harness these small daily actions for change, you know, for positive change. And that's something that you're working on a lot this year, I think, but, um, yes. What, I mean, aside from giving yourself that space around, you know, these, these problem areas, for example, Amazon, you gave yourself the space, you, you stopped yourself from purchasing by signing out and just asking yourself if it was really something you wanted to do. Did you adopt any other small kind of small daily actions or baby steps that over time have led you further down the track or? Well, it was kind of this idea that really recently, this idea that I was doing these small daily actions that were very negatively impacting my life. So the one click purchase and they were very small on a daily basis. But when you looked at the collective sum, it was an incredible amount. Uh, It was just a huge result from those small actions. And I realized that those same processes could be leveraged for good to make ridiculously easy, small steps every single day that would get you to a wonderful result after six months or after a year. I often talk about the analogy of what would be better working out for 24 hours straight or working out for 30 minutes for 48 days in a row. And it's the same amount of time yet it nets an incredibly significant results if you do it um, more consistently every day as opposed to just really as opposed to just really trying to do everything all at once so i mean what i i I agree with you completely that those those small steps have so much power in them Um, when i when i talk to people about decluttering and simplifying their home as maybe one of their first steps towards living a slower life people are really (laughs) overwhelmed by what that looks like. So Mm. I always encourage, similar to you, that if you take one small intentional step every day, and I think the consistency is really important, that's where you're going to to net the biggest changes over time because it might not feel like much to do five minutes of something every day, you know, and if you, if you, if you if you're just thinking about what that might look like, it might seem insignificant. But you add it up, and you add up the motivation and the the um, you know the momentum that builds behind those changes, and it becomes such a, a positive uh, force in 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 making these changes. Yes, absolutely. the The thing that I often speak about now is uh, I call it stupid easy action. Like stupid easy. Um, I like to suggest that people do things that are so stupid easy that you would feel ridiculous not doing them. Yes. 
one push-up. And when you do one push-up a day, what happens is after seven days of doing one push-up, you go from a person that talks about doing push-ups to a person that does push-ups. That's who you become. And the exercise reference is obviously a very direct and easy one to make, but all of a sudden you establish a habit of success, of successfully doing a thing and you become that person instead of talking about becoming that person. And then all of a sudden two push-ups a day really does not seem that unattainable. Three, four. In fact, if you just do one push-up a day for a week, it's probably pretty sure that you're going to be able to do two a day the next week because you've just been doing one all week and then three and then four. And after a year, if you continue that pattern, in theory, you should be able to do 52 pushups in a row. Now I haven't quite gotten there myself, but in theory, the same thing can be applied to all of the things we do, whether it's one minute of sitting in stillness or meditation or prayer, whatever you prefer, or whether it's just doing one air squat while you stand at your desk. There's all these opportunities to do things that require very little effort in the moment and they add up and they create this momentum that really makes a difference in our lives. Do you think, do you find that having, um, a, a goal or, a, um, an, not an end goal? Cause I don't think, I don't particularly prescribe to that idea, but like a, um, a why or a foundation or a reason in mind before you begin or as you begin helps to motivate you towards that. Even if, even if it is like a stupid, easy action, as you (laughs) say, do you find that having, you know, this, this, this reason, this why in place helps you to, to just take that stupid, easy action? Absolutely. And I also agree with you that I don't believe in an end goal because I think that there is no end until we're, we're, long gone. Uh, You know, the framework that I'm working on that I'm creating for myself, for my readers is really all about creating the daily actions that you do for the rest of your lives. Um, It's really about creating the daily actions that they do for the rest of their lives. It's this idea of the goal being your ideal day. I often ask people to imagine an ideal day for them instead of trying to imagine an ideal life. That's a lot to think about. Simply imagine an ideal day and not a vacation day where they're sitting on the beach, just not doing anything because that's wonderful too. But I do feel we need a sense of purpose as humans to continue to stay relevant, to be energized and and active. We have to, we have to continue pursuing our why and our purpose. And so if we can visualize a day where we might spend two hours volunteering at a local uh, food, food bank, and we spend four hours working on something that we care about deeply, that maybe earns us money as well. And we spend an hour with our, our, our children or our families or our friends and wake up and just kind of visualizing this ideal day. An ideal day obviously would have some sort of exercise, maybe walking 30 minutes, or maybe it would have cooking or or finding uh, an opportunity to have slower food experiences. When we have that idea, we can start building our days right now to look like that day. And we can connect the dots slowly but surely, filling in from the bottom, creating the good habits and the good routines with these really straightforward easy things that we can do every day. 
And all of a sudden, our current date starts looking a lot like that ideal day. Mm. And eventually, it does. It's, you know, the idea of our actions, that's who we are becoming. You know, it's, it's really easy to kind of to think all of these actions through until we, we start to, to put them together. They're, they're nothing but an idea, you know. Um, and I think that's where the power of the, the small steps come in. But as you say, having a, a why is vital to that because I, I think otherwise it's sort of aimless almost uh, and mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to become overwhelmed, um, which is something I wanted to ask you actually. Uh, people often often will say to me, you know, I start down this path of slow living or simple living um, and <laughs> the further I get down the path, the more I realize that there is for me to change and improve and hmm. people become really overwhelmed by that. And I feel yes. like that's a stumbling block for people. They, they, they get part of the way through this process towards the, you know, the ideal day, the kind of life that they want. And then they freak out because they realize, man, I've done all this work, but in front of me is 75% more and will it ever end? And is there ever, you know, is there ever an end to these slow living changes that I'm trying to make? Do you, um, is there a way that you, that you kind of try and, and deal with that thought? Because I feel like it's something that we all face at some point. Yes. I, I very much have shared that feeling, that experience, especially going through the physical decluttering of our home. We hit a point where we had gotten rid of, maybe 2000 things from our home that was not overly cluttered, but we had a lot of stuff. Like I said, those small purchases just kind of add up and show up around the house. And we reached the point where we felt pretty comfortable with the level of uh, clutter or hopefully lack thereof clutter in our home. And then we felt this immense emptiness of, well, now there's this space. I thought this was supposed to be the happiness part, right? And then we realized that doing that was just an opportunity to, again, work towards the next kind of direction, the next goal. And I've, I've never been a big goal person. Like I said, I'm really not into the whole multiply your performance by 20 times that, you know, there are so many people doing that. But I truly believe that we can continually point our ships at the right shore. We can continue stepping in the right direction. And unfortunately, you know, I would say fortunately, fortunately, life continues to amaze us and the journey we go on will continually grow. I see this image of a square in the, in the sky. And as we learn and as we continue our journey of, of self-discovery and, and creating the lives that we want, the, the squares slowly fill in until there's one tiny little block in the corner left unfilled. And the moment you start coloring that one in, all of a sudden you step back and the square becomes much bigger. <laughs> and, and you realize that that square was simply a small, your entire knowledge and existence was just a small square on the larger scale. And I don't know that that ever stops. And that's a beautiful thing because how, how boring would life be if, I don't know, if, if it just simply was. I think that's, that's a really beautiful way of looking at it because it, it sums up so many people's experiences. You know, we, we feel like we're getting done and then we realize, oh, wow, all, there's, there's all of this, you know, all of these squares now that I didn't even recognize were there uh, have become apparent to me. But I think, as you say, there's a real power in 
shifting our mindset from one of frustration and this is never going to end to one of like wonder and uh, you know constant lifelong learning and I think that's that's actually really exciting and I think maybe if we could shift our mindset towards that rather than the you know that they're feeling weighed down by the constant to-dos of simplifying life it mm-hmm. will probably alleviate a lot of that feeling of frustration Absolutely. Real life is right now. It is this moment. It's not after we graduate college. It's not after we get that promotion. It's not after we accomplish any one thing, or it's not after that one term paper, or it's not after any one event. Life is now. And this is the real world every moment that we exist. Every moment is an opportunity to be and be happy with what we have and who we are and continually seek growth and development. I, yeah, I've been scribbling notes as we've been talking the whole time. I don't know if you can hear it or not. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I've just written down um, life is now. And I think if we could, uh, if, if we could just, <laughs> just adopt that, you know, and use that to drive our decisions and our choices and our actions, I feel like we would, we would end up in a much a very different place you know it would just drive us to be more present and grateful and aware you know in in the moment which is pretty much the goal of slow living or simple living or minimalism it's got nothing to do with the stuff at all it's got to do with the life yes absolutely yeah yeah that's that's wonderful yeah you've inspired me a lot <laughs> oh thank you <laughs> likewise <laughs> um so I just wanted to change gears a little bit. You've just recently uh, made the shift to self-employment, which is super exciting. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Um, Ben and I have have made a similar kind of leap this year, which is very exciting and somewhat daunting at times. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that, that one of the comments that I get quite a lot from people is that this intentional, slow, simple living is easier for people who are self-employed. Um, but you did it. You, you've adopted it. You've really thrown yourself completely into these changes while you're working full-time. Yes. So obviously you don't think that there is – it's not an impediment to making the changes. But um, do you feel like it is going to be easier for you to, to live in that way now that you're – not that your time is your own necessarily, but you right. know your agenda is is more your own than it was when you were working full time. Or do you think that it's it's open and applicable to everyone? I do think that there are some elements of I don't want to say freedom, but there are some elements of life design that you can accomplish a little bit better when you have the freedom to schedule things in blocks and then have a few days where you can go somewhere or if you have the ability to work from different places. But the impact that these decisions in this lifestyle has had on me, I've been working for a nonprofit as a salaried um, marketing director for the last three years. And it's been a lot of weekends and evenings and, and long days. And, and it's, it's been wonderful to embrace these changes. It's, it's completely changed my ability to do so many of these things. I would not have been able to create Break the Twitch and share these experiences had I not 
really embrace the minimalism, this, the slowing down and creating the environment where the time and the energy for that creation was possible. So this is for everyone. This is not just for digital nomads. This is not just for, for self-employed people. I mean, this, this is about coming into the present. It's about creating the days that, that we want to live. I always come back to this, the uh, Annie Dillard quote, how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. It's the most influential quote, I think, uh, on my life uh, for the last few years, simply because I realized that week after week was passing very quickly without much thought. And all of a sudden, it was those weeks that became months and months became years. And all of a sudden, I looked back. And that was how I had spent my life. Mm. I love that quote too. And I think that reflects really beautifully in everything that you've spoken about and everything that you write about really, because it's, it's that disconnect. I think that we feel sometimes or often between what we do, the day-to-day actions and (laughs) the fact that that is actually adding up to our lives. You know, as you say, life is now, life is not in 10 years time. Life is not when you retire. Life is, is right now. And Mm -hmm. I think, I know for me, one of the reasons that I probably didn't want to engage with that idea for quite a long time was because it made me really uncomfortable. You know, it asked me really difficult questions of myself and my my actions and what my priorities really were. Because I think when you you do something consistently, you're, you're saying really by virtue of your actions that that is a priority. And when I could see that those priorities would be um, you know, Facebook or mindless TV watching or, you know, a whole lot of mindless living, mm-hmm. that made me really uncomfortable. And I think it's that that is probably one of the things that I know I personally have come up across, come up against. And I know a lot of people I've spoken to have come up against because it's, it's not, a, it's not a comfortable feeling. So did you have it? Did you process that in any way? You know, did you just accept the fact that, well, this is where I was and this is where I'm heading and, you know, this is, this is where I change or did you, did you have to process it in some other kind of way? That's a, that's a very good question. The, for me, I don't know if this is going to answer your question appropriately, but, but for me, the discomfort that you speak of, all of the, the things that, that solve it very quickly are the things that distract us from figuring out the true nature of that discomfort the twitch to flip on something to entertain us or to just not kind of be with ourselves is the quick solution to any kind of discomfort, be it loneliness, boredom, simply wanting to just continue doing the habit that we, that we establish from, from pulling out our phones or or buying things online. And that discomfort, when we sit in it and when we learn to let it boil up a bit, we have the opportunity to learn from it and and continue to grow within ourselves as opposed to constantly pulling ourselves away. So it has been, I think the answer to your question is, it has been a continuous journey of identifying these and I find new ones on a daily basis. And I find these understandings of how in reality, I was purchasing things on Amazon because I wanted to commit in a way to learning something or doing something. I call it the false first step. I took this idea of, oh, I can accomplish wanting to learn how to code, or I can accomplish learning a new language by simply buying a new book. And in my brain, 
that book purchase that might be a book on learning Spanish or learning another language or something like that would be enough of a dopamine release that I felt satisfied that I had taken a step towards accomplishing it. But it wasn't, I didn't really do anything other than click a button. So I'm finding these things throughout life. And, and it's just been this continual journey that hasn't had any one big point, but I just feel like I come up with these things every day at this point. Mm. That um, something you just said just hit me right between the eyes. That fo- the idea of the false first step. And I think so many of us would fall into that trap thinking, but I'm taking this daily action. This is a daily action. You know, this is a baby step. But I think the difference there is there's no, you've got no skin in the game. Or if, if you need to, if, if you choose to, you know, buy a book so that you can learn a language, so that you can travel, you know, whatever it is, like whatever this journey is that you're taking a step, you don't actually have to commit anything other than maybe $20 to that first step. Whereas picking up the book or, or, you know, taking the class that actually, that requires some level of commitment, even if it's a very small level of commitment. I think that's so powerful because we, we fall into that step, that, that, that trap of saying, well, I'm taking a step, you know, I'm making an action, but it's actually, it's, it's not because you, you know, you're not in it. Um, oh man, that's, that's really, that's awesome. I'm going to have to Thanks. spend some time thinking about that. There's just so many things that in our lives that, especially for me, became that. And mm. it, it's been surprisingly impactful in, in that way of kind of identifying those things. And just recently, I realized that that purchase was, was literally just my way of trying to create an external validation saying I was going to do something. Mm. Yes. Right? Instead of just saying, I'm going to do something which is a false first step in itself because sometimes just saying you're going to do it feels good enough that you don't actually need to do it. (laughs) And so the purchase is just another way of, of, um, you know, it's like asking for, for, you know, needing someone to, to check over your things before you put it out into the world or feeling the need to, Oh, I need this kind of running shoe before I, before I can run or just get out and walk. All of those things, you know, it's just simply us saying, oh, I'm going to do that thing. I'm just putting some money down, but it doesn't actually require any effort. I was sitting and, you know, scrolling through your Instagram feed and reading reading a post about the beauty of breath or meditation and not actually mm. breathing or meditating. Right. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Um, oh, that's 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 great. I've got so much to, to chew over mentally after talking to you, but um, I'm just mindful of your time. So I just wanted to say thank you so much for talking to me. I've really, I've really enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you, Brooke. I, I truly appreciate the opportunity and, and it's been a pleasure. Oh, thanks, Anthony. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. been another episode of the slow home podcast if you enjoyed it be sure to subscribe via itunes and leave us a rating or a review thanks for listening jack rabbit fm for your ears who is that hi podcast